Good morning, church. I pray that you are all well, as today we will be looking at Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 34, in which the heading of the text is, Jesus heals many. However, before we get to our text this morning, church, I just wanted to share with you all that after doing two funeral services in just over a week, that I've been profoundly reminded during this time of why we as a church body preach Christ crucified each and every week. And the answer is, church, because without a crucified Savior, there can be no risen Savior. And without a risen Savior, there can be no victory over death. And without victory over death, then, death then, it still has its sting. However, thanks be to God, church, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. For through the accomplishment of our crucified, buried, and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, death, it has been swallowed up in victory. And thus, we preach Christ crucified crucified each and every week because each and every week eternity is literally at stake. And the only way for death to not have victory over us, church, is for us, as we see in the Gospel of Mark, to become part of the ever-growing, ever-spreading, and ever-increasing kingdom of God, which is the message that Jesus Christ brought into this world and unashamedly proclaimed, that the time is fulfilled and that the kingdom of God is at hand and to repent and to believe in the gospel, Mark chapter 1, verse 15. In essence, church, telling the people of Galilee and really that of the entire world that if you want to become part of the kingdom of God, that you must repent of your sins, confess your sins, turn from your sins, and place your trust in Jesus Christ, the King, the only one who all authority has been granted to on earth and in heaven, which John Mark clearly displays in his gospel church by noting that when Jesus Christ came into this world, that he not only brought with him, verse 27, a new teaching that had authority, but that he also quite honestly began to turn this world upside down. And I say that because, as we saw last week in verse 27, that even the unclean spirits who came into his presence, even they, church, obeyed him. And thus, as verse 28 puts it, Jesus' fame then, church, it began to spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee which might seem like a good thing at face value here. However, Jesus Christ, he didn't come into this world for the fame or for the fortune or to be rich or famous or even to be served by the world, but instead Jesus Christ, he came into this world in order to lovingly heal and to serve this world by ultimately giving his life up as a ransom for many. Which brings us now, church, to our thesis statement this morning, or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. 
Jesus Christ came into this world in order to serve this world and to ultimately heal this world. Jesus Christ came into this world in order to serve this world and ultimately to heal this world. That's at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up to the Gospel of Mark, as this morning we will be looking at Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. And if you are joining us this morning and do not own a Bible, please know that there are Bibles located in each and every chair in front of you. Therefore, if you do not own a Bible, please feel free to grab a Bible, to keep a Bible, and to take that Bible home with you today as our gift to you this morning, because we want you to have your very own Bible. The only thing we ask if you do take one is that you read it, starting today by turning to page 836 and joining us as we hear the infallible Word of God together this morning. For again, church, we are in the Gospel of Mark this morning, looking at Mark chapter 1, specifically at verses 29 through 34, where John Mark, he writes, And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, how good it is to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ this morning singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to a God who is eternal, a God who is good, a God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, holy, all-loving, perfect, righteous, faithful, and who loved us so much that he sent his Son into this world to destroy death to destroy death once and for all, so that there, for those that are in Jesus Christ, there is victory over death. Lord, let us cling to this message this morning, and help us, Father, open our eyes, open our ears, and soften our hearts this morning to receive this word that you have put in front of us this morning. Lord, that they, we may be faithful to follow the example of your son, Jesus Christ, who served and healed the least of these. Lord, that we continue to press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus, our Lord, seeking the kingdom of God each and every day. Let us not get caught up in the desires of the flesh or this world, but be faithful to continue to press on in Christ. 
Lord, I pray that you send your spirit this morning to help my lisping, lisping, stammering tongue to preach boldly and faithfully and confidently this morning, not in my own abilities, but in an infallible word that you have given us. I was reminded this morning, you could have sent angels, Father, to preach the word, and yet you called fallible, sinful man to do it. So it is not the skill of man that gets the glory, but it is obvious that you are doing this work. Father, we pray that you do this work this morning and that you receive all the glory from your perfect and infallible word. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Point number one, the fitting response to being healed by Jesus Christ is to earnestly serve him. The fitting response to being healed by Jesus Christ is to earnestly serve him. Verses 29 through 31. Mark writes, and immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. So Mark opens verse 29 by telling his readers here that immediately after Jesus Christ left the synagogue on the Sabbath, that after verse 21, teaching on the Sabbath, and verse 26, healing a man with an unclean spirit on the Sabbath, that Jesus then, verse 29, entered the house of Simon and Andrew, a house, mind you, that must have been close by to the synagogue and obviously located somewhere in the city of Capernaum, Capernaum being the home base, if you will, of Jesus' Galilean ministry. However, when Jesus arrives to the house of Simon and Andrew with verse 29, his two other disciples, that being James and John, it says in verse 30 that Simon's mother-in-law was lying ill with a fever, and that immediately they, likely Simon and Andrew, and maybe even that of Simon's wife, they told Jesus about her. Now, although some scholars suggest that they told Jesus about her in order to explain why there was a lack of hospitality being offered to him at this time, it seems more likely, church, that since the disciples just heard Jesus teach as one who had authority and just saw the authority that Jesus possessed over even the unclean spirits, that they informed Jesus here so readily about Simon's mother-in-law because, as C.S. Mann puts it, they wanted to see if Jesus then could ultimately heal her. And what they were hoping that Jesus Christ could heal her of was, as we see in verse 30, that of a fever. Now, although we have no idea here, church, what was causing this fever, what we do know, as Dr. Luke more precisely describes it in his gospel, is that it was a high fever, or a fever that was so bad that it was literally causing Simon's mother-in-law to be bedridden, incapacitated, immobilized, and simply unable to get up. 
To which Jesus Christ then, in verse 31, simply goes over to her, takes her by the hand, and lifts her up. And with that, church, it says in verse 31 that the fever left her, that the fever that literally just seconds before had her laid up, broken down, flat on her back, and completely out of commission, that instantly it left her. Now, I'm sure some of you might be sitting there this morning thinking, okay, so what exactly is the big deal about that? I mean, it's only a fever, right? For people recover from fevers all the time. I mean, when I get a fever, for example, I just take some aspirin, rest up, get my strength back, and then after a day or two, I am good to go. And yes, that is exactly my point, church. Because when Jesus Christ heals Simon's mother-in-law, he heals her instantly and he heals her completely. Meaning she didn't need a couple days to get her strength back or to take things slow and replenish her fluids or to keep taking medication because her fever kept coming back. But instead, this woman who was instantly and completely healed physically by Jesus Christ, she just pops right out of bed and verse 31 begins to serve them. For she now, church, begins to serve them. And again, you might be sitting there this morning thinking, okay, well that is great and all, but in all honesty, who wouldn't here serve Jesus Christ? If he just showed up at your house and instantly and completely healed you physically when you were down and out. I mean, that just seems like the natural thing to do here, does it not? And if that is the case, brother Christian, sister Christian, that it would just seem natural and or fitting to just serve the King Jesus Christ once he instantly and completely healed you physically, How much more then, Christian, should you be willing to serve the King Jesus Christ who forgave you of your sins and healed you spiritually? Who took you, Christian, from someone who was blinded by their sins and gave you sight? From someone who loved the darkness and gave you the light? From someone who was literally dead in your sins and raised you, Christian, to new life? Because that, quite honestly, Christian, is exactly what Jesus Christ did for you. And thus, if that is the case, are you then, Christian, earnestly, fervently, and passionately serving the one who forgave you of your sins and healed you spiritually, or are you instead serving someone or something else this morning? Because as the Scottish Baptist pastor, Alexander McLaren, put it, if your hands are loaded with pebbles, then you will not be able to grasp the diamonds that are offered to you. And unless you cut off the sandbags, the balloon will always cling to the earth. And unless you turn the world out of your heart, it will be no use for you to say, come, Lord Jesus, come, because there will be no room for him anyway. Brother Christian, sister Christian, make no mistake a distinguishing mark of those who are truly part of the kingdom of God is that they serve and dedicate their lives to Jesus 
Christ the King. And being that no one can serve two masters, Christian, the question is then, when you consider your thoughts, actions, and motives, your spending sprees, desires, and dreams, or what you are watching, reading, listening to, and doing in your free time, are you then, Christian, really serving the one who healed you, saved you, called you, justified you, and who will eternally glorify you? Or are you currently doing the very thing that you couldn't imagine Simon's mother-in-law doing after she was healed physically by Jesus Christ? That being to be indifferent toward Jesus Christ, lethargic about Jesus Christ, unfaithful to Jesus Christ, and to ultimately serve someone or something other than Jesus Christ. Because if, if, if it was natural for Simon's mother-in-law to serve Jesus Christ after being healed by him physically, then how much more than Christian should you be willing to serve Jesus Christ who healed you spiritually? Thus see to it then, Christian, that you comprehend this morning, tomorrow morning, and every morning all the great things that Jesus Christ has done for you and serve him accordingly since you would be a fool Christian to serve anyone other than Jesus Christ, the King. Which brings us to point number two. Jesus Christ healed many, and in doing so, gave to the world a foretaste of what the eternal kingdom of God would be like. Jesus Christ healed many, and in doing so, gave the world a foretaste of what the eternal kingdom of God would be like. Verses 32 through 34 which reads, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So as we see here in verse 32, church, that that evening at sundown, Again, on the very same day that Jesus taught in the synagogue, cleansed a man with an unclean spirit, and healed Simon's mother-in-law, that they, verse 32, brought to Jesus all who were sick or oppressed by demons. Meaning that now that it's sundown and the Sabbath was now over, that many people in Capernaum here brought their sick and their demon-possessed friends and family members to Jesus Christ for healing. And thus, can you just imagine the scene here, church, that at the door of Simon and Andrew's house was, as verse 33 puts it, the whole city of Capernaum, as in tons of people in Capernaum literally just brought their disease and demon-possessed loved ones to Jesus Christ in order for him to touch them, serve them, love them, and to ultimately heal them. And quite frankly, church, that is exactly what Jesus Christ did. For as it says in verse 34, that he then Jesus healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. That Jesus Christ here, the Messiah, 
the anointed one, the king, the eternal and only begotten son of God, that he didn't view himself here, church, as someone who was too good for the sick, superior to the sick, better than the sick, of more value than the sick, and could ultimately then look down upon the sick. But instead, Jesus Christ here, it says in verse 34, that he healed many, as in not just one or two people that he knew, not just a group of people in order to appease the crowd, and not just the people who were rich and wealthy and who had some kind of influence within the society, but instead Jesus Christ, he simply heals here many who were sick and casted out many demons, because Jesus Christ, he came into this world not to be served by the world, but to serve and to serve church, even that of the least of these. And that's what we are seeing take place here, church. In Jesus Christ healing physically, Simon's mother-in-law, healing physically many others who were sick, and casting out demons left and right, is, as Matthew writes in his gospel, about this same scene in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, is the fulfillment of what was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, specifically from Isaiah 53, who said, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Meaning, as John MacArthur put it, these healings of Jesus Christ here, they are foreshadowing church, the glorious nature of the eternal kingdom of God from which all sorrow and disease will forever be banished. And he can make that point, church, because what ultimately is the cause of sickness? Or what ultimately is the cause of disease? Or what ultimately, church, is the cause of all suffering and sorrow and illness and grief? And the answer to all of those questions, church, is always that of sin. Therefore, in order to get to a place where sickness and sorrow and illness and grief are no more. What we need then, church, is someone to deal with the sin problem, to destroy this sin problem, and to completely, absolutely, and unquestionably defeat this sin problem once and for all, which is exactly what our King Jesus Christ came into this world to do, that being to take our sins upon himself and to be nailed to a tree so that we could be healed, saved, redeemed, and bear them no more. And thus, when Jesus Christ church heals the diseased here and casts out many demons, what he's doing is not some cheap party trick in order to capture an audience, grow a brand, and become an influencer, but instead he does it, church, in order to begin to showcase to the world that there is a kingdom that you can be a part of where sin and sorrow and sickness do not dwell, where death, disease, and demons do not exist, and where cancer, pandemics, and heartache absolutely will not endure, and that kingdom is, church, the eternal kingdom of God. And thus, in healing the diseased here and casting out the demons, Jesus Christ is giving the world a foretaste, if you will, of what the eternal kingdom of God will be like. A kingdom where death 
and mourning and sorrow and disease will be no more, but instead where all will be completely healed, free from the effects of sin, and able to dwell in the glorious presence of their God forever. And thus, as we close this morning, church, I want to begin by addressing the non-Christian who is here first, and by sharing with you, non-Christian, the message of the King, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that you need to hear and to believe in order to become part of this eternal kingdom of God. And that message, non-Christian, is that due to the sin of our forefather, Adam, that due to the sin that has infected this whole human race, that due to the sin that you commit each and every day, that in love then, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world so that we could live eternally through him. And thus, Jesus Christ, non-Christian, he willingly came into this world, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, to live and to dwell amongst his people as truly God and as truly man and to initially live for us non-Christian the life that we could never live. Meaning that Jesus Christ, who was indeed born under the law of God, just like you and I non-Christian, he never sinned. And thus he, Jesus Christ, lived a life here on earth, non-Christian, that was perfectly obedient to the law of God, totally loyal to the precepts of God, and completely faithful to all the commandments of God. Therefore, Jesus Christ then was able to flawlessly fulfill the law of God, and he did it, non-Christian, for the children of God. However, keeping the law of God in and of itself, that alone was not enough to save sinners from their sins, because a sacrifice still needed to be made, a payment still needed to be paid, which is non-Christian, exactly what Jesus Christ became. For Jesus Christ then, non-Christian, willingly and in perfect obedience to his Father God, bore the wrath that we as sinners deserve for our sins by being crucified on a cross at Calvary and dying a sinner's death in our place as our very substitute, even though he himself never sinned, however non-Christian. Being that Jesus Christ never sinned and was a perfect and sinless and spotless sacrifice, his sacrificial work then on the cross, it completely and absolutely appeased the wrath of a holy God toward his sinful children. Therefore, three days later, non-Christian, Jesus Christ, he didn't stay dead or buried in a grave, but instead he rose from the grave and he defeated sin and destroyed destroyed death once and for all, and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Therefore, non-Christian, let today be the day that you turn from your sin. Let today be the day that you repent of your sin, and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone, as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who died for your sin, and can clothe you then in his perfect life, and reconcile 
follow you back to God forever. And you can leave here today, non-Christian, healed, cleansed, and born again spiritually and made part of the glorious and eternal kingdom of God forever. Therefore, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And today will be the day that you will forever be forgiven of your sins and given the gift of glorious eternal life. And as for the Christian who was here today, brother Christian, sister Christian, thus far this morning we have considered Jesus Christ coming into this world not to be served, but to serve, and in doing so, giving the world a foretaste, if you will, of what the kingdom of God will be like. And we've also considered this morning that those who have been loved by Jesus Christ, touched by Jesus Christ, healed by Jesus Christ, that it is fitting and quite natural then for them to begin to serve Jesus Christ. However, as we close, I'd like to end by considering exactly who Jesus Christ was willing to serve in our text this morning. Those being, generally speaking, the sick and those who were stricken with demons, which were two groups of people, church, in the ancient world who often found themselves oppressed, ignored, ostracized, and quite frankly, downright despised. And yet these were the two groups of people, church, who Jesus Christ unapologetically cared for in our text this morning. And yet how easy is it for us today, Christian, to see, for example, the homeless man on the street the widow stuck at home, the orphan in our schools, or the refugee who knows absolutely no one in our country, and to ignore them, reject them, dismiss them, and quite honestly begin to look down upon them, which is, church, the exact opposite of what our King Jesus Christ did when he was confronted directly by the needy or by the least of these. I read a story this week by an anonymous author about a cobbler who one night dreamed that the next day Jesus Christ was going to come and to visit him. And the dream seemed so real to him that he got up the next morning, hurried to the woods in order to gather some green boughs and decorate his shop for the arrival of so great a guest. And he waited all morning, but to his disappointment, his shop remained quiet, except for an old man who limped up to his door and asked if he could come in for a few minutes to get warm. And while the man was resting, the cobbler noticed that his shoes were worn. So the cobbler took a new pair from his shelves and saw to it that the stranger was wearing them when he left. Yet still throughout the afternoon, the cobbler waited patiently but his only visitor was an elderly woman who he saw struggling under the heavy load of firewood. So he invited her to come into his shop for some food before she went on her way. And finally, as night fell, the cobbler heard a child crying outside his door, for the child was lost and afraid. So the cobbler, 
he went out to him, soothed the young boy's tears, took him by the hand, and brought him home. But when he had returned, the cobbler was sad, for he was convinced that while he was away that he missed his visit from the Lord. So in anguish the cobbler cried out, Why is it, Lord, that your feet delay? Have you forgotten that this was the day? To which he heard a soft voice say to him in the silence of the night, Lift up your heart, cobbler, for I kept my word. Three times I came to your friendly door, and three times my shadow was on your floor. For I was the man with the bruised feet, the woman you gave food to, and the child crying on the street. For you see, church, for us to serve Jesus Christ, the King, well, we must, as the late R.C. Sproul put it, be willing to be Christ to our neighbors, which does not mean us being our neighbor's Lord and Savior, but instead means that we must be Christ representatives to our neighbors and to represent the mercy and the ministry of Jesus Christ to all who are around us. And thus, practically speaking, what then, Christian, are you doing in the here and now to represent Jesus Christ to your neighbors, to the least of these, and to those who are in need? For are you, Christian, caring for the widow who lives down the street, or are you still allowing her to rake her own leaves? For are you providing meals for those who are hungry, or are you still going out to eat five times a week? For are you willing to engage and talk to and get to know the guy who you know simply needs a friend, or do you instead find ways to avoid him because he tends to just drain you of all your emotional energy. For Jesus Christ said this, church. He said, what you do to the least of these, you do to me. For what you do to the least of these, you do to me, Matthew chapter 25. And thus, what I want us to leave here with today, church, is this. That if Jesus Christ was willing to love and engage and heal and serve even the least of these, then we as his servants, church, cannot, and I repeat, cannot discriminate against anyone or against any group of people because our King Jesus Christ and his kingdom, church, make no mistake, do not care if you are red, brown, yellow, black, or white, and do do not care if you are rich or poor. Do not care if you are homeless or prosperous. And do not care where you are from, who your parents are, or even what kind of sins you committed in the past. Because the kingdom of God is open to everyone, church, even to the least of these, if they repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, as servants of Jesus Christ, we must be willing then, church, to to serve everyone, to pray for everyone, to meet the needs of everyone, and to share the gospel message with everyone, even to the least of these. Because for us to oppress the poor, 
to ignore the sick, and to not care for the needs of the needy. That is for us, church, to ultimately taunt our God. However, for us to be kind to the needy, to care for the widow, and to share the gospel message with those who are still dead in their sins, that, church, is to honor our God. Proverbs chapter 14. Therefore, let me lovingly encourage you this morning, Christian, that as you have opportunity, do good to everyone because how you care for the least of these Christian in the here and now is how you serve Jesus Christ, the King. Thus it is my prayer that we as a church body simply seek to serve Jesus Christ with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself. For, Lord, how quickly we can become distracted and begin to serve everyone and everything other than you. However, as the one who not only healed us spiritually, but who will also wipe away every tear from our eyes, Lord, help us then to set our minds where they need to be set, on you, God, so that in all that we do, we can honor you. By, for example, serving the least of these. Therefore, Father, help us to not look down upon anyone, but instead to see all people as image bearers of the Most High God who need to be loved, served, and given the message of Jesus Christ. Therefore, until your kingdom comes, Father, it is my prayer that your will be done in our lives, that we faithfully serve the least of these, do good to everyone, and impartially share with the world the message of our king, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, how great an example you have set before us by sending your son, Jesus Christ, who came into this world to love, serve, and heal even the least of these. But Father, you sent him into this world not just to give us a foretaste of what the kingdom will be like. You sent him into this world to preach the message of the kingdom, the gospel of God, and to ultimately pay the price that we deserve for our sins so that we could be forgiven, redeemed, saved, clothed in the righteousness of Christ and reconciled back to God forever. For Jesus Christ truly is our King. Thus, let us be faithful, Father, to follow the commandments of the King, to seek the will of the King, to follow the ways of the King in all that we do. Father, I confess that at times how easy it is for me to turn from the individuals that suck up so much energy, that make me tired, Father, let me see all people as image bearers of the Most High God that need to be loved and served and given the message that offers eternal healing. Lord, do this work in my soul and throughout this church body. Let us be quick to remember that we were only saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. For this was not our own work but it was the work of you, God, in us. 
Let's let us be faithful to that all that you have put before us today, we pray. Throwing seed in every direction, serving every people from every kind, so that your kingdom continues to grow until it comes. In Jesus' name, amen.